Welcome back to another episode of the Waste Less Live More podcast. I'm the host, Mary Allen. Today, I'm looking forward to chatting with a fourth generation beekeeper, Kelsey Gearhart, who is the founder and owner of Fields of Gold Honey. She turned her family's century old hobby into a business and now wholesales honey in several stores, including mine, and uh, enjoys teaching beekeeping classes across Southern Indiana. I know I'm excited to learn more about her and those amazing black and yellow creatures. So let's get to it. Hey, Kelsey, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, for sure. I just really want to start because it's so fascinating to me. When I first got to meet you, I was really excited when a mutual friend called me up and said, it seems like this might be a good connection. Like maybe you need honey for your store. Yeah. And I know this woman who's a beekeeper, which I piqued my interest because I don't hear, is that a common thing for women? It's becoming more common. Um, uh, a long time ago, it was just kind of a male hobby or um, profession. Yeah. And now it's becoming definitely um, not female dominated, but I'd say 60-40 for sure. Really? Yeah. Great. Yeah. That is amazing. So um, we're so glad we got introduced and we do uh, not only sell your honey, but now we use our, your honey in our products, which was kind right. of the original reason why he reached out to me. So we love it so much having a local source for that and having that collaboration with you. So um, let's just start out by sharing your story, like how and why bees? Sure. So um, I have been a beekeeper pretty much my whole life. I'm 33, almost 33, and um, I was really introduced through 4-H. My great-grandpa came here from Germany, and he worked in a hardware store a long time ago, obviously, and when they would get um, nails in wooden boxes, he would take the wooden, empty wooden boxes home after work and find um, a tree full of bees and cut the tree down and put the bees, the wild bees, the wild hive in those wooden boxes. And, um, he kind of made his own beehives. He taught my grandpa, my grandpa taught my mom and my grandpa, um, is 88 and he still does bee stuff with me all the time. He tells me what I'm doing wrong all the time. So (laughs) sure. Yeah. Yeah. But now you don't have to like repurpose, which is amazing. Like to talk talk about repurposing and reuse before it was like a thing. Um, Right. What a cool thing to do. Yeah. And just taught himself. I mean, was it just kind of a natural Um, thing? So beekeeping itself is kind of just a natural thing. Like more recently with CCD and all of the other diseases or things that you hear about in the news, those were never a thing before. Okay. um, Until, I don't know, the past 20 or 30 years. And, um, there've always been some sort of disease with bees, but never anything a long time ago. So, um, being a beekeeper a hundred, whatever years ago, wasn't, um, hmm, it was easier for sure. So your great grandpa started Mm -hmm. this, taught your grandpa who is still alive today, which Mm -hmm. is so cool. And he gets to share all the stories and that experience. Yes. So, and that was hobby. So your family has done this for like a century. I mean, how, um, a long time. A long time. I'm not sure, yeah. And it was hobby until you created a business, or right. was it? So has it always been a business? No, my mom just kind of did it through 4-H when she was in 4-H. Okay. And my grandpa, um, he always used honey to like barter for eggs or anything they, you know, Perfect. ice or yeah, stuff like that that they would need. And um, then I, when I was in high school. I remember seeing um, a local beekeeper who was in a bigger store 
and I saw his label and I thought, wow, that would be so cool. But you're kind of taught that the right thing to do, quote unquote, is go to college and whatever. So that's what I did. Now I'm a stay-at-home mom and decided that that was something that I wanted to do too. So yeah, amazing. So cool. And so started as a 4-H hobby family. So I've been really keeping bees since I was probably in like second or third grade. And started Liquid Gold when? 2018. Okay. Yeah. Four years. So you've, yep. you've been in business for four years. Yep. And you keep bees on your property. Like how I did do. you start and grow? What is that? Yeah. So like? my husband went to medical school in Tennessee down there. We did, I didn't keep bees because I was working to put him through, through medical school. Yeah, sure. And then when we moved back here, it was something I definitely wanted to get back into. We lived in the middle of town and I still wanted to keep them. And so I got a hive in our backyard and I had a couple hives at Angel Mounds then too. Mm. And so ever since we've moved close to Elberfeld, but still in Vandenberg County, I now have around 20 hives that I keep. Some at my house, some still at Angel Mounds and some at Thunderbolt Golf Course on the north side. So do you get different types of honey based on the location or is it all since it's so in one county, like, I don't know anything about this. So yeah. if I'm asking a stupid no, question, it's not stupid. <laughs> that's not stupid at all. So, um, there's over 300 different types of honey. And so wow. the honey I get from my hives is like my, our property is mostly wooded. So, um, it's really like living in a state park. So everything wow. around us is trees. Okay. Um, most of the main crops that are harvested in the Evansville, Southern Indiana area, like corn and soybeans mm-hmm. don't produce pollen and nectar that bees, honeybees would use. Okay. So corn's a self-pollinating plant anyway. Which is, is not <laughs> a funny thing at all, but when you said you're, you're surrounded by woods, it really reminded me that, um, not too long ago, side note here for you podcast listeners that, um, there was a bear found in Elberfeld, like a legit, like brown bear or something, mm-hmm. right? Right. Which is unheard of. I yeah. Guess. But um, it was on your property. Yes. That's where they found it, yeah. right? And it knocked over four hives oh. and probably did close to like $1,000 worth of damage. <gasps> oh my goodness. Yeah. That is terrible. Yeah. But it just, it, when it thought it was exciting. bears and honey, <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's true. It was all over the news. Yeah. And when I think about, you know, bears and honey, which, you know, I don't know if that's a thing, but. Oh. It is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But the bears mostly eat um, like the baby bees inside the hive. Oh. for protein instead of actually eating honey like Winnie the Pooh or okay, whatever. Right. Right? Okay, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Right. Oh, okay. So yeah, the three locations that I have bees, they're all different. Um, there's different nectar sources at each of those, but I blend all mine together oh, so cool. that it's an overall kind of like wildflower taste that you would get. Yeah. I know. I was trying to do a little bit of research on bees just a smidge before we chatted. And I was shocked how many varieties of bees there are mm-hmm. and how many types of honey. Like when you said, what you said, like 300 different More types 300. of honey. Yep. Blows my mind. I had no idea. I'm thinking there's one bee, it creates honey. And that's what we get. I know that's so stupid and no. so fundamental, but I, it's, it was so interesting to learn. Um, so honeybees obviously are the ones you deal with mm-hmm. out of all the species. You keep honeybees mm-hmm. and have the honey. Yeah. Love it. So real quick, um, what is the name of your company and where can we find your honey? Um, Liquid Gold Honey is the name of my company. And I sell honey at probably about 10 different stores across Evansville. 
Oh, that's great. So that's fascinating. Zero downtown. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we are so lucky to have it. We have it at our store. And like I said, we use it in our products. And what's so interesting about honey too, is all the different uses for it. So, right. I mean, I know more of the topical use for honey because we use it in our products and the, mm-hmm. and the benefits to our skin, which are amazing. But I was reading on like Mayo Clinic's website about the health benefits and the things that have been studied with honey from cardiovascular disease to neurological disorders to um, treating a cough. It's probably the most common thing that we think of to wound care. Right. Like fascinating. Right. Recently, I went to a beekeeping conference in Georgia and one of the coolest things I didn't know, they actually took beeswax and pollen and honey from inside the hive and kind of balled it up together and put it, excuse me, put it on a wound from a sea turtle. And because the wax is there, it acted as like a sealant and they could just like pack the um, the wound yeah. with the beeswax and the honey and it helped it heal and they just released it back into the ocean to heal. Oh my goodness. Right? That's Amazing. Cool. Yes. So cool. Um, well, all the different properties from, you know, amino acids, vitamins, minerals, iron, zinc. I was, you know antioxidants and like for skincare, I know it's a humectant, anti-inflammatory properties, antibacterial properties, sure. all of those amazing things. Um, I mean, and, and it just tastes good in my tea. So right. <laughs> that's a little added benefit, but, um, so you sell the honey and then you started selling bee pollen too, right? At certain locations. And if I ever am at a craft show, I'll usually bring pollen with me. Pollen. So what's the benefits of bee pollen or the difference? How does, what is that? Um, so if you have pretty bad local allergies, um, that's another way to get all the benefits of honey, but, uh, more concentrated. So bees have pollen sacs on their legs, kind of like where our calves are. Um, and so the bees will fly around to different floral sources and pack their pollen sacs on their legs with pollen. Okay. As they fly into the hive, if a beekeeper has a special, it's kind of a comb, it's po- uh, called a pollen catcher, but the bee will fly in and it rakes the pollen out of the bee's pollen sacs on their legs. Hmm. And then the beekeeper takes it and just dries it and freezes it. And it'll last a long time that way. And if you start taking pollen, Google this just to CYA. <laughs> yeah. Right. But um, you take just one or two granules at first, and then you can work up to a teaspoon every day if you have really severe allergies. But wow. other than that, it's full of protein and all sorts of vitamins. Wow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you, bees. Yeah. For lots of reasons. <laughs> and it tastes, it tastes like you're eating a flower. It's kind of weird, but once you get used to it, not very good in like warm things. Like I wouldn't put it in oatmeal or anything like that, but okay. in like a smoothie or something, you'd never notice one or two granules. Yeah, Even I've a seen teaspoon, it like a probably. little addition in health food store, yeah. you know, health mm-hmm. food places when they're making things, the addition of bee pollen. I always thought that was interesting and wasn't yeah. quite sure what that was about. Um, and so there's honey, bee pollen, and then I read something. What is bee bread? Okay, bee bread is a substance that's really used in the hive, mostly by bees, but more recently it's kind of becoming a popular supplement oh, too. Oh, okay. I've never had it. I've never used it. I've never taken it. I just mostly do the pollen and the um, honey itself. But the bee bread is like something that's in the hive that the bees mm-hmm. use. And and they eat themselves. And they eat themselves. It's, okay, um, let's leave something for the bees, people. We right? can take the pollen and the honey. <laughs> I don't know anything about this, but I'm just looking out for them. <laughs> 
It's special um, enzymes in their spit, actually, like, mm. yeah, in their digestive tract. Okay. And um, pollen and nectar mixed together and packed into the cells in the hive that they use later. Okay. So you're eating a little bit of bee spit yeah. mixed with pollen Absolutely. and honey. And it's bee bread. Okay. And that's more, we, we, yeah, I, I stick by my statement of let's leaving it for them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so fascinating. I love it when you go and you do a lot of educational things. So Kelsey has come to our shop a couple times with your... Um, Observation hive. Yeah, observation hive. And it is so interesting. So we get to see the bees hanging out in there, the hives, the different um, stages. So we can, we've seen the, some bees, a bee being born once. Is that what you call it? Larva and pupa. And the eggs too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What a treasure they are, truly. I mean, I I was reading really like one, a third of our food is pollinated by bees. Yeah. So to think about the bee population declining, which I know we hear a lot about, it's kind of a scary thing and a sad thing because they're super beneficial for us, right? Yeah. Well, when I do educational talks for like younger kids, even preschool age kids, I make sure to let them know one of the first things is that one third of everything you eat is pollinated by honeybees, not just bees or moths, but all sorts of honeybees. So without them, we'd lose a third of our diet potentially. Yeah. Right. Because there's other pollinators. Right. Right. But a third of our food is from honeybees alone. I did Mm -hmm. not realize that. Amazing. So I've been kind of reading a little bit about why bees are on the decline. Like then it's really a a thing that says, you know, how bees are important to a healthy environment. So it's um, like a kind of a symbol of nature, so to speak. So when we're with the, the bees declining, it's kind of a showing and mimicking that decline in nature and our Mm -hmm. environment. For sure. Um, So like thinking about what we can do. I've heard um, people talk about plant pollinator gardens. So with honeybees pollinating one third of everything we eat, especially in Indiana, I know that um, I have some friends that have five to 10,000 hives close to Northern Indiana. Oh my goodness. Right. And they have a huge apiary, which is a bee farm. And um, they travel to California to pollinate different crops out there and Florida, Maine for blueberries. But back home here, we pollinate, um, we, I don't have enough to do pollination really like they do on a large scale, but uh, red gold tomatoes are, a lot of red gold tomatoes are grown in Indiana Mm -hmm. and um, those are pollinated by honeybees and mint fields for double mint gum actually is grown in Indiana and pollinated by honeybees. Fascinating. Yep. All here locally. Cool. Yeah. So if we like our tomatoes, people, and our double mint gum. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just like mint for some mojitos. Can that, right? that count? That, right. Yeah. <laughs> I have been letting my herbs, you know, like kind of flower. You know, yes. if you don't mm-hmm. pluck them, they do the flowers because I feel like that would help with the pollination a little bit and letting things go to flower a little bit more. And um, waiting to mow in the spring is a big one too. Dandelions are the honeybee's first source of nectar, really. Really? One of their big ones, yeah. So if we wait till after the dandelions are kind of done, uh-huh. it's super beneficial for the bees. 
Okay. Your yard won't look as pretty, but the bees will definitely thank you. Well, that's more important than our neighbors complaining. Right. So when they <laughs> do, let them know. It's, it's all about education. The more we know, we right. can, yeah, if we know better, you know, we do And it's better. an excuse to wait to mow your grass. That's exactly yes. right. <laughs> You're welcome, people. Help the bees. Actually, we can just, maybe we'll all put like signs in our yards and with a little We're education. We're waiting to mow for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> if you want tomatoes, you'll thank me. <laughs> Um, two, two facts. I remember you sharing when you brought your hives that honey is the only food that never goes bad. Mm-hmm. Right. So no expiration. Date. They actually have found honey in Egyptian tombs. That was still good. Wow. Right. Pretty cool. It is. So what about when it crystallizes and stuff? Do I just put it in warm water and that's yeah, when it gets a little so frustrating at home? I keep mine in like, um, a more cylindrical, um, glass jar mm-hmm. and I run hot water through my Keurig and, put my glass jar with the lid cracked so that it doesn't pop or bubble or anything at the top in that hot water and just, um, change the hot water every once in a while and it'll go right back to honey. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do not microwave it. Don't do that. Okay. It just, it nukes all the good stuff in the honey. Oh (laughs) yeah. Yeah. We don't want to do that. Um, perfect. Good to know. And because I think sometimes people get that, they get frustrated and they'll just pitch it. I'm like, right, oh, no, no, if it never goes bad, or they think maybe it's gone bad or something, but no. it's like, no, it hasn't gone bad. We just need to keep it warm. So it's one of those, uh, most foods you're like, oh, keep cool and dry and whatever for longevity. But this is more of keeping Leave it, it on your a little counter. more sure. warm. Okay. Yep. Um, love it. And then the lifespan of a honeybee. What's the lifespan of a honeybee? Okay. So this is really cool. In the winter, we're talking about domesticated or, you know, yeah. honeybees that are kept, kept. by mm-hmm. beekeepers. Okay. So um, during the winter, bees don't actually hibernate. They live through the winter and keep in their hive awake. Don't go to sleep like a bear or anything like that. And during the winter, they could live through the entire winter from the time that they shut down in or slow down in late October, early November mm-hmm. um, through until maybe March when they start to really come out and look for a source of nectar and pollen. Okay. In the summer, they could maybe only live a week or two. No and they way. will literally work until they fly their wings off. Oh. Right? Well, that's kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> and they you only know, make a teaspoon of honey that. in their entire life. No way. Yep. Cool, right? It yeah. is. What hard workers, like yeah. I just want to, so, and two with that, truly, it sounds cheesy, but it um, makes me appreciate. So when I know those things, it really, truly makes me appreciate the honey that I use, the, you know, if we use pollen or whatever, that is such a benefit to us. The work that, which I'm sure they love doing it. That's what they're designed to do. You sure. know, that's what they do. That's what they make. They enjoy flying around, pollinating, doing all the wonderful things. Um, and then we can be grateful for that. And it's like, I think with all things in nature too, this that reciprocal factor of caring for them as they care for us. Mm-hmm. And it, especially I'm, I'm seeing that with bees and then knowing how hard they do work yeah, and not taking that for granted. So bees wax too is a great byproduct of. Absolutely. And I know you don't sell wax, but I think a lot of I beekeepers don't. do. They do. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Cause we get, um, well, we, we get our wax from, yeah, beekeeper co-op kind of thing okay. online. But so all of the things that they're producing aren't going to waste. You know, right. a lot of those things can be used. There's in- countless hive products, hive byproducts. With beeswax, it can also be, it's also used commonly in 
furniture polish and yes, chapsticks, um, right. soaps, like yes, yeah, absolutely, candles, um, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is again just so interesting that when you know their lifespan, I, I was like, I don't, I wonder if I remembered that right about their lifespan. Cause I'm like, surely that's wrong. Like I remember you saying like one to two weeks and I was like, no. surely not. But, um, what's well, nice to know they can live through the whole winter. Right. Although yeah. I'm like, who wants to live through the winter? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm <kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Worse yet, a honeybee, a honeybee will not poop inside the hive. Fun fact. They fly out so like all winter, they hold their poop and, until the spring. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Then they, <laughs> then they fly outside the hive. Uh, amazing. Well, the that's more polite. You know, the right? more you know. <laughs> and they're so polite. That's yes. amazing. Well, yeah, I guess they don't want to live in there with it, right? right? I guess. All winter. Uh, yeah. So they stay in there because if they fly out in the winter, it's, it's too, too cold, cold for them. Right. Yes. Yeah. So instead they cluster they um, all ball up into a cluster. The males fly out and die, actually, before oh. the winter begins, the majority of the males. Okay. And Thank you, gentlemen. I <laughs> <laughs> don't really have another purpose inside the hive anyway, <laughs> other than mating with the queen. And okay. then... And there's uh, one queen per hive? hive? Yep. She's the mom to the other bees in the hive. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the, in the winter, the worker bees, the females, will cluster and keep the inside of the hive around 95 degrees in the no coldest kidding. winter. Yeah. So brilliant. Like That's such an cool. amazing design. Right. Uh, absolutely. So thinking about the bees and how beneficial they are on so many levels and the byproducts that they so graciously offer to us, um, I think it's really important that we think through, you know, preserving their existence. You right. know, I, I was reading in, in one site, like one in four bees is at risk um, for extinction and some various things and thinking through, you know, there are some questionable ways or or nothing in stone, but some common things that um, across various sites that I found about what is causing the decline in bees from, you know, like um, climate, well, climate change is, is one, you know, just as winters become warmer and wetter and season shifting um, that, that kind of thing there, maybe scientists are starting to detect changes in climate that might be disrupting their nesting behavior. Maybe kind of things that you were talking about. So being mindful of, of that and then changes in the lands, then habitat loss, like less forage and shelter for bees. I think like industrial agriculture and how we're stripping so many and not 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 having a lot of native plants and wildflowers well, anymore. Harping back on mowing your lawn. I mean, everyone has the most pristine green yes. lawn instead of, yeah. Yes, exactly. Stuff like I feel like they don't have enough place to to forage and have shelter and, and those sure. kind of things. So loss of habitat. Although I will say Claire, our producer, like she has got the best wildflower yard. The entire front cool. of her house is like nothing but wildflowers. It's it's beautiful and. I'm sure the bees are loving it. So th- those kinds of things. And so I think those are those are little steps. Can we plant native sure. plants and wildflowers and do the wildflower bombs and you know sure. those kinds of things to I feel like all of that helps, right? I mean it can And if hurt. you are a gardener, paying attention to the thing the pesticides you are using yes. to get rid of the bad bugs, quote unquote. Um, but things like seven dust are very common because they they, they do their job, but they also really kill honeybees. They're detrimental to um, important pollinators, for sure. 
Okay. Yeah. So pesticides make sure was on it, the list. It yeah. takes not a lot of effort just to Google the things before you buy them, mm. just to make sure you're using something that is pollinator friendly or yeah. isn't harmful to honeybees. Okay. Good. Good. Good tip. Um, so, so if, if, if as l- long as it depends on us, are there ways that, you know, just being mindful of, are there ways that we can not contribute to their habitat loss and on the opposite side, maybe even help to build in some habitat and shelter and keep some, um, foraging options for them in, in the areas that we do have control over. And even, even in my little urban area, if I, you know, like I was saying earlier, I plant a bunch of herbs and things and just kind of let them go to flower a bit and, and just hoping that that's a little bit helpful. Yeah. And then pesticides. And like you mentioned earlier, like the pests and and diseases that hit more now, I don't know, there's much to do about that, but that seems to be causing a lot of the decline as well. Right. Right. When we moved back here from Tennessee, um, about five and a half years ago, I started keeping bees up here and I, again, and I had never had to treat my bees for any of the um, mites or diseases ever before. And the first year I didn't treat my bees for anything. Mm -hmm. After moving up here, I'd had four hives. They were at Angel Mounds and I'd never had any problems before. And I lost all four hives. Oh my goodness. Through the winter because I'd never treated, I'd never, I'd never had to before. And after just living in Tennessee for a few years, things had changed so much. And, um, my bees were around people, other beekeepers, bees, which is how some of these are transmitted. Oh, wow. So, so that, that, what a challenge then for you guys. So you really are keeping the bees and caring for them in in all of these ways and having to monitor for disease. And how do you do that? Like, how do you, there's different ways for all different kinds of diseases, but what I was saying earlier about a hundred years ago, it was not the same thing at all. It was just more like helping mother nature along and this big, happy, feel good, rose colored glasses, whatever, you know, and now it's more you have to check for mites several times throughout the year to make sure your hive's not sick or transmitting something to other beekeepers or even your own hives, other hives that you have on your property. Wow. It's a totally different, different ball game now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's really important work that you guys do. Thanks. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. So I've seen on Facebook too, and I don't know if, so if you live locally, I've seen people reach out to you because they found Swarms. Swarms. Yeah. Yeah. What's that about? And you go and you, you catch it. Yes. So when a hive becomes overpopulated, um, it will split and half of the hive will go somewhere else. And then of course, people that aren't beekeepers don't want a giant (laughs) cluster of 10 or 20,000 bees in their yard around their kids' swing sets, right? exactly right. And um, and thank you that they call and they don't go buy a bunch of Raid or whatever and spray the heck out of them. Yes, people, if you find that, don't do that. So there's options. Calling a beekeeper is one, right? Right, and there's plenty of lists. Um, The Indiana DNR has a list of um, local beekeepers. You can search by county. Um, Cool. The Indiana State Beekeepers Association has a list too on their website of beekeepers in other counties too. Um, Call me, Facebook message me, whatever, on my business page and I'll get there as soon as I can. So you go out and how do you Mm -hmm. catch the bees? Well, okay, so if it's, I don't do what's called a cutout, which is, it's actually illegal in a lot of states if you don't have a license to do this, but if there is a hive of bees living in 
like the wall of your house, that's not truly a swarm. It's a hive that's established inside the wall of your house. This it happens. You know, it's a close place. I would be mortified. <laughs> yeah, or you wouldn't even know that it's there until oh, okay. honey starts seeping through <gasps> like your drywall. Oh, I it's can't a imagine. Super common thing. Really? Yeah. I can't imagine. Like, I've probably gotten I, ten calls since April. No way. For people that need bees cut out of their house. Like it's kind but of. But I'm cool, not a construction worker, so I have no interest in cutting a giant wall hole in the wall of your house. Right. So swarms are simply just a cluster of bees hanging in a tree or somewhere outside. Okay. And if it requires a twelve foot lateral or less, I, mean, there you I go. can get them. <laughs> Here's my limitations. Can, yeah. <laughs> I'll come with my truck and I'll pick them up. And um, you can, ju- it's as simple as scooping them into a cardboard box or an empty hive that you have laying around. And ideally, they you will get the queen and the other bees will follow right in to oh, the empty box okay. because they smell her pheromones and they know what they're supposed to do. Follow her. Wow. Yep. Again. And then they'll reestablish in the hive that you, that a beekeeper puts them in. Yeah. So it's just such amazing instincts and in how all that nature plays out. Right. So what if, so you have to pretty much get the queen, otherwise it won't well, establish. Well, you can name. buy a queen from a honeybee queen breeder. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> no, there are queen bee uh, breeders. Breeders, absolutely, all right. yes. All right. <laughs> and um, locally we have some beekeepers that are queen breeders and you can buy queens from them or... Um, and add those into your um, swarm if you don't get the right queen, if you don't get the queen in there with your swarm. Okay, interesting. You say it's no big deal. Like, yeah, you just go out and you put it in a box <laughs> and you take it home. I'm like, I'm mortified. I can't imagine. Like, do you garb up and have the whole yeah, protective thing? Yeah. So do you get stung very often? Um, every once in a while. And it's usually really like places I wouldn't want to be, like my face or oh, sure. you know, really <laughs> obvious places. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So good thing there's no allergies in your family, I guess. Um, my father-in-law is very allergic to honeybees. I used to have oh. bees on their property, so. Wow. Yeah. So he said, he has, um, said no he more. He carries his EpiPen with him. Good. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <Yeah. laughs> but I get, yeah. Fascinating. Um, I don't know how many times I've said that word in this podcast. <laughs> Uh, but it's true. It's just, it truly is. It's a whole different world it if is. you're not a beekeeper. Yeah. Okay. Kelsey, this has been so good chatting with you about bees. I really think I'm going to have to have you back on. We just scratched the surface of the world of bees. I think it's yeah. so fascinating. I love the movie bees, the, <laughs> the bee movie. I think the I cartoon. have never seen it. Isn't oh that bad? I know, right? <laughs> yes. You have to see it. I yeah. feel like I learned, I learned a lot and it, it's really a precious movie to talk about how beneficial and wonderful bees are and, and the hard work that they do provide. And in this, this conversation has helped me appreciate them so much more. And again, have that connection with my food and what I eat and that appreciation and then desire to have that reciprocal relationship like we talked about before. So the fact that you go out and educate kids and the community, it is fabulous and so needed. So thank you for that and the work you do in keeping bees and, and caring for them. And they provide such a service to us. So Um, We appreciate what you do. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll chat soon. Great. Wow, thanks again, Kelsey. So much 
fascinating information. And I don't want to think about how many times I said that word on this podcast. So sorry, listeners, but um, truly there was so much I learned. And like I said, I'm sure we're just scratching the surface. So if there was a nugget that was new to you, let us know what you found most interesting. I hope this has educated and encouraged us to be more mindful of our little friends and find ways to help their population increase and also just to be grateful for all they provide. Um, So thanks again, Kelsey, for all you do. And um, thanks to her for her willingness to join me today. So we appreciate you for listening and hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, we'd love for you to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. And as always, we encourage you to waste less and live more.